Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. <laughs> Dell challenges the status quo, questions everything, and empowers you to return to your core beliefs to make your life better. If you're ready to hear the truth and get your roadmap to the lifestyle you really want, the next hour will change your life. And now your host, self-made millionaire, national award-winning investor of the year, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Del Wamsley. Welcome to the Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Today, my friends, I want to spend some time on a concept that I call interpretive movement. It's the ability to be able to look into what somebody else in life is doing and figure out how to learn to do it. I believe that teachers that are good teachers, and there's good ones and bad ones like anything else, but I believe that a good teacher has the skill set to be able to bring people through multiple levels of learning that are completely different from one another, whereas poor teachers, they simply regurgitate material at people. To be able to understand this, we also have to understand a term called self-sabotage. Because what happens is, in a learning curve situation, it's like pushing a rock. It takes a whole lot more effort to get something started in your life than it does to keep it moving. In fact, once you get it moving, the momentum makes it very, very easy to move it. And in learning, I see these same things, and I've got many experiences in my lifetime to where I've looked at something somebody else had, a skill set, an amount of money, a job, whatever it was, and I've looked at it and said, hmm, I would like to be able to have that or do that. And so you begin the process of learning. Now, the story I'm going to share with you today, I've shared it in the past, but it's relevant to this particular discussion is a story of a girlfriend long past whose hobby was competitive dancing. And when you're dating someone that's a competitive dancer, it's not absolutely mandatory that you dance, but it's almost. In that you have to have one heck of a lot of self-image to sit on the sidelines every night while your date your girlfriend or your boyfriend's out there dancing with beautiful people, doing beautiful things together, uh, you know, merging their bodies and so forth. And so I had a high amount of incentive to want to do this, both because she was demanding it uh, and because it was like my ego, you know. And I think that's true about people that want to go out and think about becoming financially free. You know, when you look at becoming financially free, maybe one spouse is pushing the other spouse a little bit harder. One of them really would like to have that in their life. Maybe one of them comes from a family of more entrepreneurial type people or a family of more wealth than the other person. And when the lesser of the two motivated decides that, okay, I'm looking at this thing with you. But I'm skeptical from day one, right? I, oh, my gosh. And you're negative and you're skeptical and you don't really want to do it. And they look out there and they see these really, really rich people. Now, you can imagine you bringing your spouse into a dance studio when your spouse can dance and you can't and how awkward you feel. 
Well, think about bringing your spouse into a financial freedom program where there's people up on stage that are teaching or sharing or just doing a case study. But every single one of them's talking about making, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions. And you're sitting there going, I got this stupid little job. I live in a cubicle. I put money in a 401k. I have no idea how to make the kind of money they are. And you've got 25-year-old kids saying, I'm already a millionaire. I'm retired at 25 years old. You've got multiple people getting up there and saying, I've retired within two to five years. I'm a millionaire. And you're sitting there going, this just can't be real. This Look, my financial planner can't do it. My attorney can't do it. My CPA can't do it. My dad couldn't do it. My grandfather couldn't do it. Uh, My college professor couldn't do it. Everybody I know says it can't be done, yet these guys, one right after the other, right after the other, right after the other, are making it look easy. Well, that's how I felt when I went to this dance studio. And um, my girlfriend was pretty adamant about this. She paid for me to go. It's like 75 bucks an hour. These dance instructors were the best in the country. These are the kind of guys that are teaching the people and dance with the stars. Same genre of people. And I remember going there and thinking, you know, that would be pretty cool to be able to do that. That's pretty neat looking stuff. And so I'm going to really give it my all. I decided I was going to buckle down and give it everything I had. And so I headed in to the first level of learning. And what happened was I, at this point, had not understood the three levels of learning, nor did I understand interpretive movement. I simply had done it multiple times before in the past, not knowing that I had gone through the three stages, not knowing uh, how to make the stages work much quicker. So the first stage you go through in any learning process is you've got to learn the terms the names of things. And then you've got to not only know the term, you have to know what the term actually means. So in dancing, I had to learn what all these dance steps were. And it's interesting because you don't, you're not even beginning to dance. You're not even beginning to move even. You're just going home and studying that what is a, you know, rock step, what is a ball chain movement, what is a sailor shuffle, and I don't even know what all these stupid things are, they sound ridiculous and finally you've gotten through the learning curve enough to where they take you to your first live lesson and they tell you to do four steps four steps and they're not to the music they're not in time they're just simply walk, walk triple step, triple step. That's it. Four steps. And you look up and you go, what is this? And you look out across the room and you see people doing incredible spins and moves and standing in one place, spinning the girl all the way around them, handing off from one hand to the other all the way around in circles around the guy. His feet aren't moving at all. I go, the guy's feet aren't even moving. What is this walk, walk, triple step, triple step stuff? And the guy goes, no. He's doing it. Every single step, he's doing it. And I go, how can he be doing it? He's going, he's doing it with his feet, with his knees, with his hips. All his entire body moves through this particular point. 
this pivotal point through the hips. You dance through your hips. You don't dance with your arms. And all of us that don't know how to dance, we dance with our arms, we throw our arms all over the place. But no, the upper body is still. It's almost perfectly still. The movement's all with your legs, your feet twirling around. You're going, oh, my gosh. And you can't do it. You just can't do it. And the same thing is true in real estate. When you go over there, you think that real estate is about going out there and buying something. But it's not. You can't buy something. You don't even know what to buy yet. You don't know how to manage it. You don't know how to do anything. And you've got to learn all of these things. You've got to go to the seminars and learn how to do the stuff, the boring stuff, the stuff that really makes it work so that when you finally master the boring stuff, then you can actually be a real estate investor. And the same thing is true with dancing. And so I would go there and I would painfully go through these processes and, and I would do it and he'd say, no, that's wrong. And I'd do it again and he'd say, that's better, but it's still wrong. And then when I'd get the steps right, then he'd go, but you weren't holding my hand right. And by the way, it's very embarrassing. You got to imagine a big 220 pound guy, ex bodybuilder, holding on to the hand of a guy because the guy teaches you and he dances the girl part and he dances better as the girl than you dance as the guy. And, and he's holding your hand. You go, no, that, that, that wasn't the right hand movement. How would I know where you were leading me with that hand movement? And so I'm concentrating on the feet. Now he's talking about the hands. So now I'm talking about the hands and I mess up the feet. And on and on and on and on. Frustrating as can be. And I had these discussions over and over and over again. That's not what I came here for. I want to learn to dance. And they just kept telling me, no, you are learning to dance. But you have to learn the components of the dance first. The same thing is true when you go to lifestyles. So many people want to skip right to the buying. In fact, we used to have the problem all the time where people would join up and go buy a house before they'd even come to the seminar. Just because they were motivated. We had motivated them that this is what they should do. They went out and did it before they even knew how to do it. 877-655-6755. We'll be right back with the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. You're listening to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Dell will be right back with more life-changing principles in just a few minutes. It's easy to see why Personal Real Estate Investor Magazine named Lifestyles Unlimited the best real estate education and mentoring program in the United States. We take you by the hand and teach you how to invest in real estate. We've been doing it for 25 years. Our students have been so successful at creating wealth and passive income that they've won independent, local, state, and national Investor of the Year awards nine of the last nine years. If you're ready to add real estate to your portfolio, go to LifestylesUnlimitedPodcast.com to access our free live training event schedule. Welcome back. Now, here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America, one person at a time, Del Wamsley. Today, we're talking about interpretive movement. In other words, how do you move yourself from being poor to rich? How do you move yourself from being physically unfit to physically fit? How do you do anything in life? And the process is really looking at someone else's results and figuring out what they've done. And that's easier if you've got a mentor, someone that can help you. And the first stage is just learning all about it. You need to have the knowledge about something. You need to study what it is you're trying to accomplish and to learn the verbiage and the terms and to understand the process and, and to understand what you're trying to accomplish, what the movement is supposed to look like. 
before you can ever try to do the movement, you have to understand what it is that you're doing. However, in a learning situation, it's problematic because you want to be out there dancing or you want to be out there buying real estate instantly and you're not ready to do it yet. And so your coach has got you in this training mode module where you're learning things. And we have this problem at Lifestyles all the time. We have massive amounts of training available, but we learned very quickly that we can only get people to consume a small amount of training before we let them do something. So we have lots of activities like going on road trips, um, coming to meetings and meeting people and then networking, interacting, because people want to start taking action towards the goal that they have, even though they really don't even understand yet quite what they're, they're trying to accomplish or how to get there. So in the dancing world, you know, you would go to dance classes and they would teach you a move and you'd learn one move movement and you would learn a spin or you'd learn a, a a series of moves, eventually two or three or four moves strung together, and you would practice that the whole class with another student, uh, or if you had private lessons, you would have that with your with your teacher, and you would practice the same two or three or four steps, which became a combination of movements that the teacher would string together for you. And you would just keep practicing that, try to master that. Then you would go out into the real world and they'd have these parties afterwards where you could buy alcohol so that you could get it, lower your inhibit, inhibitation, I guess you would call it. hope I pronounced it correctly. Uh, and they would allow you then to have the dance floor open. You just go out and ask people to dance. Well, at first, you don't have any movements. And you see all these people out there dancing, doing incredible stuff. And so you sit on the sideline and you're frustrated. And I was that way until one day one of the best teachers there, which wasn't my teacher, by the way, came up to me and said, Dal, you're not understanding what it is. He said, let me show you. He took out a piece of paper and he choreographed the entire dance for me on a piece of paper. And said, this is all you're really doing. It's really just a repetitive series of things that you're doing. And if you can get this down, then you can build anything onto that that you want. And you can have, you can do the most elaborate dances in the world, but you've got to get these these basic steps, these basic movements under your belt. And then you can put them together any way you want and put them together in so many different ways that it looks like you're having a thousand different dances when it's all just the same dance. And that made sense to me. I could see that, that it was a whole bunch of little skill sets that got married together to make it a larger skill set. And so I just concentrated on learning as many of those as I could. And I would take a series of maybe four steps or five step series. And each week I'd try to learn one more step. So now to go from four step series to a five step series, and then from a five step series to a six step series. And I would go out on the dance floor and I would try to get someone to dance with me. Now, the interesting thing is when you go out on and try to do something that you don't know what you're doing, you look foolish. And some people have empathy on you. There were some women that were willing to dance with me. Other women like, come on, man, don't waste my time with that kind of stuff. You know, and they didn't want to dance with me. And I didn't know which would be which. You know, you, it wasn't directly like the really good dancers 
<clears throat> wouldn't dance with you and the really bad dancers would. It was actually opposite of that. In some cases, girls that couldn't even dance at all would thumb their nose up to you because they didn't want to dance with you because the only way they could get through the dance is if they had a great leader, the male leads, the female follows, right? And if they had a great leader, then they could get through the dance. But then there were other women where you'd go out there and try to lead, and they wanted to lead because their whole life they controlled and manipulated and dominated men. And so dancing was no different. In their life, they would shake their booty, and the man would go, oh, you're incredible. But in the dancing world, they couldn't do it. It didn't work. It didn't make sense. And that's the embarrassing part about being a man in the real estate investing world. Many, many times the women are as good as the men, and sometimes even better. And so here's a man who said, I've got the good job at our family, and I'm so incredible. And then you get the lifestyles, and 26-year-old kid makes more money than you do. And you're a 40, 50-year-old man. That's an embarrassing thing, right? And, and your spouse is just trying to get you to go and learn. But your learning curve is inhibited by your own ego. Your ego is not wanting to be beat up in public like that. So what do you got to do? You got to get out there and do it. You've got to take action. And as you do, you start to perfect your moves and you get your four little move down and then you get your five move down, you get your six move down and things start to get better. And then every once in a while, you'll hit a person who actually dances the same way you do and they like dancing with you and it all clicks and boom, it's a beautiful presentation. Even though you're really not any good yet, it just feels really good. And that's the way it is with buying real estate. You get out there and at first you have to look and look and look for deals and hammer away and take shots. And it's it's not working. Then you see a guy get up on stage at a case study and go, I bought eight of them in the last three months. And you go, how can he find eight incredible deals like this and I can't find one? I haven't found one yet because you still don't know how to dance. I remember the day after I'd taken classes and I'd learned to do my four or five or six step movements and I, my girlfriend changed me to a higher level teacher, moved me up a notch. And this guy was brutal. And I remember in his brutality, I'd go through the movement and he'd say, no, that's not quite right. And I'd try it again. He said, okay, that's better. And then he'd say, okay, now do the entire movement this time. And I'd try it and I'd mess up part of it and I'd do it. And finally, I would get through the entire four or five or six step movement and he'd look at me and put his arm on my shoulder and go, Dell, could we try to do it to the music this time? See, I hadn't even been listening to the music. I hadn't realized the music was actually there. I was just trying to do the movements. I was going through the motions. I didn't have the music. I didn't have the way to interpret the music to the situation, right? And that is exactly what happens when you first go into real estate. You don't understand that you can't make deals happen. You have to find motivated sellers. And when you find a motivated seller, then you have to negotiate a deal. But remember, if you don't have a motivated seller, all the negotiational skills in the world won't do you any good. And at the same token, if you find a motivated seller, but you're not able to act instantly before that person changes their mind, you're going to lose that deal to somebody else. You're listening to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Dell will be right back with more life-changing principles in just a few minutes. 
Get total freedom in your life safely and quickly. Build wealth and passive income so you never worry about working till you drop, losing your job, or retiring in poverty. Hi, I'm Steve Davis, an investor in thousands of units over the years. Now it's your turn. Del Wamsey has been my mentor for nearly 25 years, and he's taught over 100,000 people just like you the principles of financial freedom through live one-on-one mentoring at Lifestyles Unlimited and his national radio show. I'm excited to tell you about the real estate workshop that changed my life. The workshop gets you on the inside of what we do and what we believe and unlocks the five ways we make money in real estate. Just like your personal trainer, Lifestyles Unlimited will motivate, encourage, and teach you so you can get in the best financial shape of your life. Call 866-971-8970 or go to lifestylesunlimitedpodcast.com. That's lifestylesunlimitedpodcast.com to register for the workshop that will change your life and let you stop worrying about working till you drop, losing your job, or retiring in poverty. Welcome back. Now, here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America, one person at a time, Del Wamsley. Today, we're discussing interpretive movement, how to get from one place in your life to another. And I'm using uh, the painful experience of learning how to dance as a metaphor for the painful experience of learning how to become a real estate investor and a multimillionaire. Uh, both of them are wonderful things when you get there, but both of them are painful, to say the least, of a process because you have to change. You have to completely change your thoughts about what something should be like. And when you change from middle class mentality to a wealthy person's mentality, those sides of thoughts are very painful, such that the 401k doesn't work, the IRA is a waste of your time, uh, that you should pull all your money out and pay your taxes and go use that money to invest, that you should invest everything in one thing and not diversify like everybody else says. These are all things you've been trained your entire life to believe as a middle class or poor individual. And when you start dealing with rich people, they don't believe any of that stuff. And so you feel very awkward because, number one, you do all that stupid, awkward stuff. And number two, because you can't believe that you could be that wrong. And the same thing is true when you learn to dance. You're just so awkward out there. You just don't understand why it is that anybody uh, would be able to do this and you can't do it, why it's so difficult. And you're embarrassed about it. So... We're in the second stage right now of learning, which is the action step. And if you ever read the book, uh, Tipping Point, they talk about the fact that everybody that's ever mastered something that becomes very good at it has 10,000 hours of doing something. So at this point, I can do four or five or six little steps, but I can't really dance yet. I can go through some steps. And so I had to get out there and start dancing. And what I found was, it was really interesting, just like I was saying in the last segment, is that when I get out there and start asking people to dance, some would say yes and some would say no. Some would have empathy on me. Other people would be embarrassed to even dance with me. And that's the same way when you go out there and you start trying to find these deals, right? However, once you go find one deal and you act on it and close a deal, now you've got one real estate agent that likes to work with you because they made some money from you. The same thing is true when you're in dancing. Once you go out there and find one person that you enjoy the dance with and you prove that you're, you're not afraid, that you've got a couple basic steps, they understand you're a beginner, it doesn't really bother them, just like a good realtor that has empathy for a beginner investor, understand you're a beginner, they're, it's really the heart of a teacher, as Dave Ramsey calls it, uh, to where you start... Um, 
you're you're helping that person. They're learning. So the same thing happens when you're out there on the dance floor. People have empathy and they help you. But when you go back and you look at it, it really came about that there was a point where, okay, I could go dancing and I could have quit right there. And many people, first of all, quit in the first stage, the knowledge stage. And many people quit in the action stage. That's really the hardest thing to overcome is the action stage. And I could have quit there and said, well, I've thrown up my hands. I can dance a little bit. At least I can do four or five, six steps and my, you know, can dance with my girlfriend. But that dance is pretty boring. You dance for two to three minutes in one long song, and you're doing the same five steps over and over and over again. Boy, I tell you, it gets pretty boring pretty quick for anybody. And at first, it's very frustrating. But even once you have those moves, I've seen people that never progress past that, ever. So what happened was is that I realized that I was going to have to expand. So I started going to a different teacher. Because with a different teacher, you're going to learn their new moves, their ideas, what's important. And you start cross-pollinating ideas. And that's what happens when you come to lifestyles. You're going to cross-pollinate ideas. You went to Dave Delgado, Robert Allen, Jeff McCone, Tommy Vu, the Milans, Ron LeGrand, Carl Sheets, Robert Kiyosaki, Donald Trump. And although those guys all have one or two steps, you know, same two steps with a little twist, as Nellie would say, uh, they really don't have a repertoire that's very functional. And so it doesn't really get you to where you want to go. It's never going to have enough movement for you to create a masterpiece which would be a financial masterpiece. And so you got to go look around. That's why we pick people up later on the end. And then you have to move up. You have to move up from a beginner training course to an intermediary training course to advanced training course. Well, that's the same thing I did. I started looking for more advanced training courses. I started going to different open classes, and I started learning how to do different dances from West Coast Swing to Salsa uh, to Country Western, uh, Boot Scoot, and all different kinds of, you know, dances, everything you could think of. And what I found was the more that I tried different dances, the more that I found that although they were different, they still had a lot of similar characteristics. And that my brain just started to understand the difference between this kind of movement and that kind of movement. And why was that important? Because the part that I hadn't mastered yet was I didn't tie the music to the dance. And so I literally started listening to all kinds of music all day long at my home, in my car, and trying to move my feet. Now remember, dance, whether you realize it or not, occurs from the waist down. It does not occur by flailing your arms around like a crazy person, like almost everybody else does. And so I'm trying to listen to these different music. I'm not trying. I am listening to different music. I go, okay, that would require this kind of step and that step. And then I learned the next thing. Speed is important. The pace of the steps are important. The ability to change the speed from fast to slow to fast to slow was incredibly important. To take a song and follow the song that as it built up, your timing built, your motion built, and then you go into a super fast spin and then stop on a dime and then come out slow again. All of this type of control of pace became very important. And the same thing is true when you start to negotiate. You start to learn in negotiations that pacing yourself, not diving in too quickly, waiting until the other person gives you their position, 
then acting as if it's not life and death to you. Very important that you don't act like it's life and death. But then turning right around and going, you know what? This isn't exactly what I want, but I'll tell you what, I'll take action right now. I'll make you this offer if you do this thing today. Now, that's a simplistic view of negotiations, but it is a very effective little four-step movement. Wait, 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 and then immediately act with some type of an impending event. Okay, I'll do it, but you got to do it now. That type of transaction is one of 8,000 types of negotiability programs that I have in my brain or cycles or systems that I have in my brain. It's And I know when to use that one. But I have to learn that that one doesn't always work. In fact, when I had started out with single-family houses, I had a guy that helped me learn. He was a broker. His name is Bill. And Bill's basic approach back then, which was foreclosures, was to figure out whatever the property was for sale and offer 10% less than what it was. And he said, 99, interesting fact, 99% of all deals within 10% of the asking price. If you ask below the asking price, it falls down to less than 10% of the deals. So you won't get very many deals. He said, but so go ahead, and if they're asking 25, offer them 22. And they'll either say yes or no, but the deal's going to close between 20 and 25,000. That's just the way it's going to work. And so I, it got to the point where it's, it was like, I'd just go out and offer on everything. I'd go to every single house and I'd go, okay, what do you want? They go, I want 25,000 for it. I'll give you 22. No way, never in a million years we take less than 24. Okay, I'll give you 24. I'd try it again. I'll give you 25 on this house. And they, they go, I want 30 for it. I go, no. I'll give you 25 if you do it today. They go, no way, never in a million years will we take 25. We'll take 27. I go, okay, I'll give you 27. And it just, it was my only move. It's the only move I had in real estate was just to make a lowball offer and then let them counter at something less than what they had started at. Uh, and it was very effective. It was very effective getting deals less than, you know, no less than 10% under the market value. Uh, but it allowed me to build my portfolio. Uh, I learned other techniques. I learned how to go after motivated sellers that were willing to own or finance and how I could use that and leverage the down payments and then take on the owner financing. All these techniques are just like learning to dance. There's hundreds of techniques we learn in this business. And the second part of this, this learning curve, this action level of learning curve part is about learning as many different techniques as you possibly can. Now, you specialize in a couple of them, but you want to know them all because there's going to be a time and a place. People ask me all the time, does the Dave Del Donald, Robert Allen, Jeff Cohen, Tommy Vu, Miles around the Grand Cardinal, she's Robert Kiyosaki, Donald Trump programs really work? And the answer is, yeah, at least once. Because whatever crazy zero-down transactional-type deal they created to teach you, which made them millions more teaching that one transaction than they ever made using that one transaction. But that transaction had to have worked at least once. They had to have been able to outline it and use it. All right, we'll be right back with the last segment of Dell Wamsley Radio Show. You're listening to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Dell will be right back with more life-changing principles in just a few minutes. 
What would happen if you didn't show up for work tomorrow, for the next couple of days, for a week, a couple of months, a year? How long until you'd lose everything you've worked for in a fraction of the time it took to earn it? If this fear keeps you up at night, it's time to learn the strategies we teach at Lifestyles Unlimited. Start with the workshop. Go to lifestylesunlimitedpodcast.com and find your true financial peace, like so many of our members already have. That's lifestylesunlimitedpodcast.com. Welcome back. Now, here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America, one person at a time, Del Wamsley. Today, we're talking about interpretive movement and three steps of learning. And uh, we've gone through the action step now, and we've talked about being able to add a variety of different action steps, uh, the idea of having more than one way to skin the cat type of a thing, having more tools in your toolbox, so to speak, when you get out there in the real world and you're trying to accomplish whatever task it is you're trying to accomplish. Now, I got to the point in dancing to where I realized that the real beauty of dancing was the music. And so, like I said, I started listening to all different types of music. And what I started doing is I started practicing on specific things that were just skill set practices. In other words, I didn't continue to practice to dance. I started practicing the skill sets of dance. In other words, I would sit there and try to move my feet as fast as I possibly could forward, dancing as fast as I possibly could backwards, dancing to the right, dancing to the left, uh, changing from a uh, ball step to a sailor shuffle to a walk-walk triple step to whatever it was. Every move that I had learned, I would try to do them as quickly as I possibly could. And then I would practice dancing that way. I would go out, and in the middle of the dance, out of nowhere, I would speed up the dance, and the girl would be like, wow, this is incredible. We'd speed up, and then I'd slow it back down. And what you learned to do was, in certain parts of the song, when the tempo picks up, you speed up. When the tempo slows down, you slow down. And then I started getting so good at movement that I would actually get to the point where I would actually let go of my partner and go out and do a duo, a duet. No, it's not a duet. What I'm saying, a, um, where you dance by yourself, and I would just take off dancing and spinning. And I learned to flip girls, and I learned to spin them around and behind my back, and all different kinds of things to dance uh, in a million different ways. And all of a sudden, dancing was fun. All of a sudden, people wanted to dance with me. And you know what happens when you get that good? Everybody wants to dance with you, because what happens is you make them look good. And before. I've always wanted them to dance to make me look good. Now I'm dancing to make them look good. I'm not even worried about what I can do. Now I'm thinking, how can I help this partner here to get through these movements that they don't even know? Because I've got to not only tell them without talking, without telling them, I have to, with my hands, let them know where my body's going to go and where I want their body to go. And this communication skills become unbelievable that you can actually communicate. Somebody you've never even met before that knows how to dance, you can walk out on that dance floor and you can dance like you've been dancing together for a lifetime. It's unbelievable. But that is mastery, my friends. And that's when now the best dancers out there come and ask you to dance. And that's when you start looking really good. You win contests. I remember dancing in the intermediary class and there were a couple, a lot of times the, the really good dancers will come down and take intermediary, 
uh, because it's good practice to dance with people that aren't really good because then when you dance with them in public, uh, they won't hold you down. You can learn to dance around them and not get held down by a not too qualified dancer. Uh, same thing. That's why I'd go back and do the beginning dancing again, because I, I found that it was very impressive if you could take a girl that couldn't dance and get her through the dance moves without her even knowing how to do it. And that becomes a skill in and of itself, becoming a teacher. But at that point, what would happen is I was at this class and these expert girls, and one of which was best friends with my girlfriend who got me into all this, all of a sudden I had like four or five of the greatest dances ever in this little group. And the instructor came over and said, I don't know why you're an intermediary. You're one of the best dancers I've ever seen. And my girlfriend's best friend was there and heard this. And uh, it was amazing. And uh, so to think through this thing and understand that little moment of egotistical glory there, that was the culmination that I knew I had made it. That moment there... Now I'm not afraid to dance with anybody, anytime, anywhere. It was fabulous. That was the moment of coronation for me. Now let's go back to real estate. The same thing happens in real estate. Once you do a couple deals, the brokers, the attorneys, the CP, all the people out there know who you are. All the investors want to invest with you, and they're throwing money at you. All the brokers want to sell to you because they know you can close, and you know what you're doing, and you're not a flake, and they will bring deals to you. I want to share with you what happened to me. After not investing for about four years, I stayed at about 500 units because I had more units than anybody. All of a sudden, some kid comes in 26 years of age and buys 3,500 units and blows me away. And what that did was that stimulated me to want to do more. Um, thinking, you know, why am I wasting my skill sets and my talents? If this brand new young kid can do 3,500 units, why don't I have 3,500? Why do I only have 500? So I decided I was going to go out and buy 1,000 units that year. And, and just make something happen. So the first deal I went after, I bought for 19000 a door. Uh, properties at that time were selling between thirty five and 40000 a door. And it needed 4000 of rehab, so probably needed five or six, but I only anticipated four. And so I bought it, and we were a little behind the curve on the deal. I wasn't really sharp on my negotiations at that time. But because I did that deal, the guy that sold it to me brought me the very next deal. And he brought it to me on Christmas Eve, and nobody else was even willing to invest. And he brought me a deal. He said, look, I can get you this deal that's uh, five years newer than the one I just sold you, and I can get it to you for $16,000 a door. And I said, I'll take it. And boom, all of a sudden, I had a better property, a newer property for a cheaper price. But because I closed that deal, the guy called me again with another deal, said I could get you another property. It's even newer than the one I just sold you, and I can get you that property for only 16000 a door. And I said, okay. And I went there and negotiated, went through feasibility. I said, nah, this deal is really has too much vacancy. We'll give you six, We'll give you 14 for it, I think it was. And they said, no, no way, won't do that. So a couple of months later, they called us back and said, would you give us 14 for it? Uh, the other buyers had dropped out. I said, well, let me go back and do feasibility again. We did feasibility again, and they had dropped to 28% occupancy. I said, no, man, there's no way. There's no way that we could do this at 14. And then I pulled out the violins, turned on the music, and offered $8,000 a door. And the guy said yes. And we danced out onto the floor with the most incredible dance I had ever had. I bought a $40,000 a door property for $8,000 a door, 320 units 
it was incredible. It was the masterpiece of all masterpieces of real estate investing I had ever done, and probably one of the best deals that had been done for years in the city of Houston, Texas. And I owed it all to the fact that I had spent years accumulating these skill sets and developed mastery. Wamsley Radio Show, teaching you the opposite of everything you've been taught so you can obtain the results you've never obtained. Join us seven days a week. Can't get enough? Visit DellOnTheRadio.com to listen to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show, access past show podcasts, and join the conversation. Information and opinions you hear on the Dell Wamsley Radio Show are those of the host, Dell Wamsley, his guests, and his callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Dell Wamsley Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Dell Wamsley Show constitutes an endorsement, recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.